prayer, and I'm trying to stay focused, talking about fearfully and wonderfully made. And in my prayer, I say, God, I thank you right now for all of the incredible bodies in this place tonight. (laughs) And in the middle of my prayer, I went, that didn't sound right. (laughs) So hopefully I didn't offend anybody. Because we are fearfully and wonderfully made. And that makes us incredible. But my terminology is probably a little different in the 21st century. Last week, we looked at the topic of bones. Our bones are the structure of our body. It was really, it's a revelatory word that I, if you didn't have a chance to watch it or listen to it or be here in present to hear it, um, go back, check it out. Um, we looked at how the bones of Jesus Christ were, would not be broken, and we are the body of Christ, and when we stay in the body, we cannot be broken either. And so just a beautiful word from God, but everything we're looking at centers around this psalm in 139.14, I will praise thee, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. And so marvelous are thy works, O Lord. So tonight I want to, in third, the third week of this series, it's going to be a five-week series, the third week of this series, which I'm excited, I'm excited about all of these because the, this content, and I'm not exalting myself, but the content that I've been studying here is really amazing. And um, next week is two days before Good Friday. And isn't it a coincidence that we happen to be talking next week about the blood? going to be powerful. And so tonight, though, we're talking about unity and diversity, two words that, do those go together? But they absolutely do, unity and diversity. Lord Jesus, thank you for everyone who is watching online, maybe going to watch or listen later. Thank you, Lord God, for every person who's here present. And God, I just, I'm, I'm so thankful for every individual. But Lord, I just pray that your word would come to life, just like our human bodies here as we're living and breathing. God, let your word be living and breathing in this place and over the live stream uh, so that it can impact so many hearts, minds, and lives. Jesus, touch us tonight. In your name we pray. Amen. Unity is the foundation of bodily life. The body senses the smallest difference. My body knows which cells belong to Gary Dornbach. I should say, my body knows which cells belong to Gary Robert Dornbach II, because if you didn't know, I'm named after my dad. One time, I got some credit check thing, and I'm like, what in the world? And it's talking about my surgery from a hospital on my back. And I'm like, (laughs) you got my dad. That's not me. See, sometimes they're supposed to look at the social security number, but there was a couple of instances where my dad's credit came onto mine, and I had to write letters to the three credit agencies. It was a disaster. And so the credit agency might make a mistake, but our bodies know which, which cells belong to me, and your body knows which cells belong to you. The first transplant, the, it, the person did not die because kidneys failed. They died because their bodies would not be fooled. Though the new kidney cells looked and acted in every respect like the old ones, they did not belong and the body knew it. 
Transplant surgeons must now give the recipient immunosuppressant drugs in order to full to lull the guards and keep from sounding an alarm against the transplanted organ. To complicate the process of our identity, our bone cells, fat cells, blood cells, muscle cells, they differ almost entirely from our components two decades ago. All cells have turned over their mission to fresh recruits, except for nerve cells and brain cells, which those nerve and brain cells don't get replaced, but the others do. Our three billion letters, yes, three billion letters of DNA, spell out instructions that if printed on tiny font, it would fill 300 1,000-page books. Our DNA, if it was tiny font, would fill 300 1,000-page books. And each one of those letters counts. A mistake in two letters can cause a disease like cystic fibrosis. And the intelligent designer of this DNA, the Lord himself, challenged the human race when he called us to be a part of a body. Yeah, but all I do is this. I'm not really a part of that. If you're one letter in a three billion person body, you remove just mess up just two letters and you got a disease on your hands that your body cannot overcome. And when we're called to be the body of Christ, you can say, all I am is this. Or, they won't ever notice. I'm not much. I beg to differ. Because why does he compare his church to a body? Our body is what he created from the beginning of time. So when we look at our body and understand its function, we can look at what he has planned for his function with us as a church. But in order to be a part of this body... Your DNA has to match the rest of the body. Because bodies won't be, they, 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 can't be uh, they can't be tricked. They know which cells belong to us. And so our DNA has to match the rest of the body. Well, how is that possible? Well, Jesus spoke to a man named Nicodemus. A Pharisee came to him by nighttime. And he starts talking to Nicodemus about being reborn. Now, that confuses Nicodemus like it would probably anyone. And so Jesus clarifies in John 33, he says, except a man be born again, he can't see the kingdom of God. Can't, can't see his kingdom. Nicodemus says, how can you be born a second time in your mother's womb? This is, you're, I'm an adult. This doesn't make any sense. So Jesus clarifies and says, except a man be born of the water and of the spirit, we can't enter the kingdom of God. And he says, that which is born of flesh is flesh. That which is born of spirit is spirit. Marvel not. Don't be shocked. Don't be surprised that I'm telling you, you must be born again. Why is this so important? Well, after all, birth itself is one of the greatest miracles that we'll ever see or experience or be a part of. How in the world do you do it a second time? 
Nicodemus was fixated on natural birth, but Jesus was talking about spiritual birth. And so Jesus compares it to fleshly birth because there are similarities. Jesus did not say, join a church, love me, serve me, follow me. He said all those things at various times, but the first thing he tells Nicodemus is your spiritual life requires an identity change. The very DNA of who you are. That's why Ezekiel prophesies, one day you're going to get a new heart. A new heart. He says, Nicodemus, you need to be born again. Notice he's, 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 he's trying to explain the spiritual things in the, in the physical body in a way we can understand. But it wasn't just an object lesson. It was literally, no, you need new DNA. Well, you can't replace DNA. How do, you, how do, how do I do this? If I'm going to be a part of this body, then I need that DNA. But I don't have that DNA because right now I have the DNA of a sinner, of a, of a messed up, broken, sinful man. But Jesus says, no, 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 no. I, if you repent of your sins, I will wash them away, put my spirit inside you, and now you have my DNA. And your heirs according to the promises of Abraham. And so he starts to tell us, if you're going to be a part of my body, you need my DNA. You don't just join a church. You're born into it. And how do you do that, Nicodemus? Well, you need to be born of the water, like, like we're about to see tonight. And then you need to be born of my spirit. And so he says, I'm going to put my DNA inside of you and fill you with my spirit. He rewrites who we are. He rewrites our spiritual DNA. And in new birth, we're now part of his family, an extension of his body. Galatians 3.26, he says, you're all the children of God by faith in Jesus Christ. For as many of you have been baptized into Christ, have put on Christ. There's neither Jew nor Greek, bond or free, male or female. You're all one in Christ Jesus. What? Now all of a sudden, my spiritual DNA lines up. But it doesn't, no, that doesn't make sense. I'm a Gentile. You're a Jew. No, it doesn't make sense. You're male. I'm male. You're female. No, I'm bond. You're free. No, 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 all of that gets put outside when you take on the name of Jesus in water baptism and he fills you with his spirit. My DNA spiritually now aligns with your DNA and we become the body of Christ. Yeah, but I'm just this. No, no, no. Just two letters can cause a disease in the body. We as a church have got to be unified doesn't mean that we lose our diversity or different cultures or personalities. <laughs> it, do, it, it doesn't say that you're no longer, you're, oh, you're, you can't ever be a Jew, you can't be a Gentile, can't be a male, can't be a female. No, it just says even, even in those differences, you become one. But we're born again. The physical body that God created is such an amazing example of what he envisioned for his body, the church. Ephesians 4.16 says he makes the whole body fit together perfectly. Think about your body right now. We talked about this in the previous lessons. Right now, your body is functioning at incredible capacity. You ain't thinking nothing about it. Your blood's pumping. Muscles are working. Your diaphragm, your oxygen levels, your, your brain is functioning. It, 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 your brain is, is going through all the things that you're doing right now. 
Some of you are entering into REM sleep right now as I speak. <clears throat> you see, our bodies, they function. And he says, God, he made our body fit together perfectly. But he's not just talking about physical or spiritual. It's both. Your body is fit together perfectly, but spiritually it's the same thing. As each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts grow. That's why, too, I push small groups so much. It's not just a small group is not just for your comfort. Well, what can I get out of this small group? Is this worth my time? I don't know if I want to go on a weekday night. I don't know. No, part of being a part of the body is you're helping each part grow. It's not just what did I get out of a Sunday service, what did I get out of a small group. At some point, we're investing in someone else. We're, we're maybe the, the blood that's getting flowed to a different place or, you know, well, I'm not the heart, so I'm not a big deal. No, no, no. If, if you remove certain parts of your body, your body doesn't function at full capacity. And if we're a part of this body, we cannot just go, well, I just didn't get much out of it. I'm not willing to try that or do that. It's not just about what we're getting. It's about our function as a part of the greater whole. And that is discipleship. That's mentoring. That's looking after people. That, that's listening. That's being there for someone. And so as each part does its own special work, other parts grow so that the whole body's healthy and full of love. This is a beautiful passage of scripture because it absolutely makes perfect sense in the physical realm, but it makes perfect sense in the spiritual realm too. Because our bodies are a reflection of what he intended for the greater body of the church. Notice the body fits together perfect. That's unity. We're each called to do our own special work. That's diversity. You see a body here that has unity and diversity. Oh, yes, it fits together perfectly. Wow, what unity. But each part does its own special part. Well, that's diversity. Our work helps others grow. That's discipleship and ministry. This balance of unity and diversity is what keeps the body healthy. This is why we find the word another so often in the New Testament. It's cell-to-cell -cell cooperation. Accept one another. This is interesting, too, because I'm loving teaching this. I find this so intriguing, but I despised science in college. <laughs> so it's just like, who am I and where did I put myself? I but except, I think it's just adding the spiritual connotation helps. Accept one another. Serve one another. Wash one another's feet. Don't worry, James. <laughs> Pray for one another. Teach one another. Admonish one another. Forgive one another. Bear one another's burdens. The word another is found all throughout the New Testament because his plan for his New Testament church as his body was never, you just make it to heaven. Sometimes that's the Christian mindset. I just got to make it to heaven. I just got to make sure that I get there. Yes, you do. 
But all along the way, he says, you're a body, you're grafted in, you're part of the tree, bear one another's burdens, pray for one another, forgive one another, look after one another, confess your faults one to another. And this is what his plan was for his body. And so when you say, well, I don't need to be a part of that, I don't need to go to that, I don't, I'm, not, I'm not getting anything out of that, it's not always what you're getting out of something. It's the role you play in the body that makes sure every part is healthy. One to another, just as organs interact with one another in unity, God designed his body this way. And there's, there's a popular phrase that dates back to the 1400s. It's a saying that captures the human body. It's often used in a derogatory manner. Tell me if you've ever heard this. Maybe someone has gotten sick wasted away a bit, or they've stopped eating, they've gotten extremely thin, and people say you're all skin and bones. <laughs> man, oh man, that wasn't even the best joke I had tonight. She's all skin and bones. He's all He's wasted away. He's nothing but skin and bones. Even if it's meant in a derogatory way or maybe a concerned way, what someone is saying there is that even though it seems that there isn't much muscle or fat, the element of the person's humanity is still there. There is still skin and there is still bones. Those are two things that still, you can lose muscle, you can lose, lose fat, but that's still the element of who you are. Your skin and bones still remain. Some interesting facts about skin. The average adult has approximately 21 square feet of skin, which weighs 9 pounds and contains more than 11 miles of blood vessels. Skin accounts for about 15% of your body weight. So if somebody calls you chubby, just say, I got my skin's been growing. Or I have thick skin. Yeah, that's a good one. <laughs> My body weight might be 25 because I have thick skin. The average person has about 300 million skin cells. A single square inch of skin has about 19 million cells and up to 300 sweat glands. Your skin is thickest on your feet. And thinnest on your eyelids. Your skin constantly sheds dead cells about 30 to 40,000 a year. I'm sorry, every minute. Count to 60. You just shed 30 to 40,000 dead sin skin cells. That's nearly nine pounds a year. Some sources estimate that more than half of the dust of your home is actually <laughs> is actually dead skin. So when you get in that bed tonight, just brush it off before you go to sleep. Some of you are thinking, man, I can sleep in my own dead skin, but man, my spouse, that's kind of gross. <laughs> Dens, dead skin comprises about a billion tons of dust in the Earth's atmosphere. 
Some of the nerves in your skin are connected to muscles inside the brain, sending signals through the spinal cord to react more quickly to heat and pain. That's why anybody ever burn their hand on a stove? Anyone ever burn your hand or face or head on a curling iron or a iron? Right? How fast does that message travel from the skin? Into the brain. Ah! Your skin has at least five different types of receptors that respond to pain and touch. Changes in your skin can sometimes signal changes in your overall health. And the skin renews itself every 28 days. We are fearfully and wonderfully made. So you can choose to say, I believe that God spoke. He formed me from the dust of the ground. He breathed life into my body. Or an explosion happened. I used to be an ape and somehow I evolved into this. Listen, both take faith. Both take faith. Every small patch of skin has a different degree of sensitivity. The back of the forearm, everybody grab the back of your forearm. That's triggered by 33 milligrams of pressure. The back of the head, 12. Really sensitive areas, your fingertips, three. The tip of your tongue, two. And guess what is one of the most sensitive places in your whole body? It's the cornea. Two-tenths of a milligram of pressure. Just push on your eye just a little bit. God wants his church sensitive to his spirit. He gave us this amazing layer of skin that is so sensitive because he wants his body sensitive to the spirit. Your skin's adaptive response is tested every time you take a bath probably take one a decade. I do shower, let me clarify. <laughs> I've managed to get myself into some good holes in this series already. When you lower yourself into a tub, your body may find it difficult to even stand it at, at first. You know, it's just like, oh! Within about 10 seconds, your skin starts to adjust. And that same water can feel soothing and comfortable. To me, it takes too much time. You waste the time. You can continue to raise the temperature of the water, and your body will continue to adapt all the way up to a max point of about 115 degrees Fahrenheit. That's incredible. Your body can just start to adapt all the way up to a certain amount with this skin and this body that he gave us. And just like that skin allows you to adapt, God calls his people to be adaptable. I promise you I had this done before I was even knowing I was preaching Sunday. 
truthfully. Thank you, Lord. The church is going to go through times where we feel pretty icy and cold. And then there's going to be times where the heat's turned up and we're on fire for God. But we also go through situations that feel icy and cold. And there's times where the heat in our lives are just turned up. But God reminds us in Isaiah 43, he says, when you go through deep waters, I'll be with you. When you go through rivers of difficulty, you're not going to drown. When you walk through the fire of oppression, you're not going to be burned up. The flames won't consume you. Why? Because you're a part of my body. My body doesn't get broken. If you're in the structure of, if you remain in the structure of the body of Christ, you're going to go through it. But you won't be broken. Because he's with us. You see, skin is not just there to make us adaptable. Skin helps us experience what other amazing thing? Touch. Have you ever wondered, why did Jesus touch people? Would have been harder for him to operate socially distanced and He'd walk up and touch people. Mark 10, 16 says he took them up in his arms, put his hands on them, and blessed them. Well, I mean, why did, could have just said he blessed the people there. He took them up in his arms, put his hands on them, and blessed them. Mark, Matthew 8, 3, and Jesus put forth his hand and touched him, saying, I will be thou clean. And immediately the leprosy was cleansed. And you weren't supposed to touch that. Matthew 9, 29, then he touched their eyes, said, according to your faith, be it unto you. Luke twenty two fifty one. Jesus answered and said, suffer ye thus far, and he touched his ear and healed them. I could go on and on. These are just a few examples. Why did Jesus have to touch everybody? I mean, he could have waved a magic wand. He could have, he, I mean, he spoke the world into existence. Why does the scripture go out of its way to tell us about him touching everybody? Many of the people Jesus touched, they were unattractive to society. They were diseased, unsanitary. You were not, if you touched them, you were supposed to be unclean. But Jesus flipped the script and instead of him becoming unclean when he touched them, the unclean became clean. He could have just said, you know, I, I, I spoke it, I waved the magic wand, but he got up next to them and he touched them. I would argue Jesus' mission was not chiefly a crusade against disease. If so, why did he leave so many people unhealed and, 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 and tell followers to keep quiet about miracles? Jesus, Jesus had a ministry to individual people. He could have walked up to a mass and said, all right, everybody who's sick, stand up, be healed. And could, I mean, could he have healed everybody just like that? Absolutely. But it wasn't just a campaign against disease. It was about individual interaction. 
It was about relationship. One by one, he wanted the individual to feel love and compassion. That's why, too, I don't think God allows his, sometimes his churches to grow as fast as we would like because the church wouldn't be capable of showing each individual love and compassion. And if we're followers of Christ, we're Christ-like, we're supposed to be like him, we should also be interested in not just what we can get out of an event or an outing or a group or a church service, but what can I do to make sure the whole body's healthy? And if you ever want to know the power of touch, research statistics and science regarding human touch. I mean, that's why people will volunteer. They'll get paid to go and touch newborn babies. God made us all where touch is so crucial. It speaks a message. Scripture says it's not good for a man to touch a woman. Touch is very important to a woman. So men, it's not wise to walk around touching all these women. God says it's not good for men. Man, I'm dropping truth nuggets right now. But it is good for you to touch your wife. And God made us all where touch is crucial. And he gave us this coat of skin where we can feel the touch, we can touch and, and then we can feel the response of the touch. The receptors in the top layer of your skin are what allow you to feel touch. But Jesus wanted to start by touching the skin, by letting that individual feel him. But he really wanted to get down into the heart issues. But before he got down into the heart issues, he started by just touching their skin, touching an eye, touching an ear, embracing. But that is what opened the door for him to really deal with the heart. And today, Jesus wants to touch you, and he does want you to feel his touch. But he really wants to get into the heart, like Ezekiel says. And he says, I want to give you a new heart. I want to change your DNA by filling you with my spirit. By washing away your sins, the outer layer, as I close tonight, the outer layer of your body is there for your protection. Imagine your body and your bloodstream without a layer of skin. It's there for your protection. It's there to help you be sensitive to touch. It renews itself. And in addition to all that, it captures the message that Christ has for his church. Your skin points to diversity. Take a look around. Look. Let's pretend that nobody's different than us. Are you kidding me? There's people with all different skin colors. There's people with all different skin tones. Nowhere in Scripture, there's never one better than another one. 
God created every one of us, breathed the breath of life into our bodies, and we're this body of Christ. And this incredible, important layer of our body also points to his plan for his church. This shows diversity. And like his body, he wants diversity in the body. We are not all going to be just one thing, do one thing. If you have black skin, your skin still serves the same function. If you have brown skin, your skin serves the same function. White skin, skin serves the same function. So as we read about the Apostle Paul in the earlier chapter passage, he says he makes the whole body fit together perfectly. Unity. As each part does its own special work. Diversity. It helps the other parts grow. It's it's discipleship. It's the health of the whole body. And so... This balance of unity and diversity is what keeps the body of Christ healthy. And our skin points to this beautiful fact of God's creation, not just the physical realm, but the spiritual realm also. And so tonight, we wrap up this session, and I asked you, when I got up, there's no doubt, I felt something here tonight. I said, anybody feel Jesus tonight? We use that terminology, but it's not like Jesus is, he's, it's not like God has manifested himself in flesh again. It's not like he's walking up and down the aisles just going like this, where we can see this visible manifestation of a human body. But yet, we all still feel that touch. Because God is this spirit that's everywhere present and he still manifests himself, but not as a human being anymore. He manifests himself as the spirit of God. Not a co-equal, co-eternal, triune God. It's just a different manifestation of God. And so now when you're sitting here, you're hearing something, you're seeing something, but yet you're feeling something. God is allowing your senses to experience his greatness. And that's why when we start to sing, and, we, and, and, and it is, isn't it interesting that when people feel Jesus, they often say things like, whew, I just got chills. Whew, I just got goosebumps. Isn't it interesting that he makes it a point in his Gospels and through the New Testament to let us know, I touched that person. Oh, the healing came after the touch. I touched the, they received their sight. I touched the ear, they all of a sudden could hear. I touched them, the leprosy was healed. God touched us and then a miracle happened. God has already touched you and he wants to touch you again. I'm going to invite you to come and find a place at the altar. And when you begin to pray and you begin to worship, you're going to feel the touch of the Lord. And I'm telling you, if you need a miracle, the moment that you feel the touch of the Lord, 
just begin to raise your voice and begin to worship him because we see this pattern over and over and over again throughout scripture that he would touch someone and the miracle would transpire right now your skin oh i feel chills oh i feel goosebumps oh i, I my hair standing up on end what is that that is a skin's response to a touch there's a reason why we still talk that way in churches today, because God is still touching people. Maybe it's not a human manifestation, but His Spirit is still touching the lives of believers and people who need Him. And He does it. He does not have to do it, but He does it because He's interested in an individual relationship with you personally. He wants you to know that He loves you. He is interested in you. And, and so when He touches you, you can say, wow, I just felt that. And when you feel that, just begin to worship Him. And I believe miracles can take place just as they did in the New Testament.